Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cash That. This is your host, Joe Delera. We've got a really special guest in monotone football, single L there. Uh, this is going to be a great podcast. We're going to be talking NBA futures, NBA playoffs, a couple of his thought processes on how he bets props. He's one of the best in the industry. And this is going to be a great podcast. We're going to give out picks. And as always, I'm going to start you guys off with a couple of my favorite NBA picks for this NBA slate. And look... Today is the second day of the play-in tournament. We're seeing the eight and nine, or the nine and ten seeds playing each other. I'm giving out all my picks related to these games. The first of which is Dejounte Murray, our boy, over 17 and a half rebounds and assists. I'm going to hit you with the analysis all right now uh, because we're going to get right into the interview. Um, but look, he's hit this in 53% of games this season, three of four against the New Orleans Pelicans. Look. In the playoffs, we're going to see players play more minutes, heavier minutes, get more usage. Murray is one of the best players, if not the best player in this game. And he's played three games this season, only three, where he's played more than 40 plus minutes. And he's cleared this line in all of those. I expect to see him playing significant minutes here. And in the one playoff game last year, well, postseason game that he's played, he played 38.9 minutes. In that game, he had 24 rebounds and assists. Look, if we filter this and we look at this year's numbers to 38 minutes per game, in those games, he's played 13 games of 38 minutes. He's hit this line in 10 of 13 of those. And also, we're going to be sprinkling triple-double. If you can build this on Bet365 with just rebounds and assists, you can get 6-1. to one which is just way out of whack with the rest of the market because we're seeing triple double at like as high as four, plus 475, but as low as plus 400. I think there might've been a 390 at there too. He has a triple double in six of those 13 games where he's played more than 38 minutes or more. This line is just wrong. Like we're getting great value here. He's one of our favorite players to bet on. And look in the postseason, your stars play more minutes DeJounte is a star. He is going to play. Like, there's no reason at this point for him to not play significant minutes. I love the spot. In that same vein, I'm looking at Jakob Pertl to go over 10.5 rebounds and assists. He's not a star. He's a starter, though, and that's important here. Uh, in Over the course of the season, he's averaged 12.1 rebounds and assists, and if we look at the season total numbers, he's cleared this line in – once I can get it to load, but look, he has cleared this line in seven of his last 10 games. He's cleared this line in 71% of games this season. I think that this line is off. I think that we're getting a little bit of a discount because of the matchup with Jonas Valanciunas, but look, he's, he's, he's going over this line against the Pelicans. He's hit it in all four games against the Pelicans so far this season. His assist floor is high. He's a good facilitator, especially for a big man. The 10 and a half is way too low. Let's hit this number. You're going to pay some juice. You're going to pay like around minus 125. It's worth it. Get in on this line. Next, we're looking at the Spurs team total. Look, I lean Spurs in this game, and I think the total's come down enough already. It's come down about two points or three points since the open. I don't expect it to move much further down. Uh, you could wait on this and maybe get a better number, but I do think that there's going to be some more action on the Spurs. I know that this line had opened around five. It's moved to five and a half. I like the Spurs here, but the thing that I'm concerned about is I'm not sure if necessarily the Spurs can win or if they'll just cover, but with this, I do think they're going to score. The Spurs team total is set at 110.5. Over the past couple of weeks, um, and, and it's important to note that New Orleans has done this while they're trying to win. Over the last couple of weeks, New Orleans' defense is, at, is allowing 117.8 points per 100 possessions, and they're minus 1.6 in terms of point differential. So they've got C.J. McCollum, sure, and like they do a pretty good job of defending the paint, which is a little bit concerning for the way DeJounte likes to score the ball. But I think this might open up some more minutes for, and some more shooting opportunities for guys like Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, and we might lean a little bit more on the three-point opportunities here. So I like, I like the Spurs to go over their team total of 110.5. 
Um, so those are my three best bets for tomorrow's or for today's NBA slate. Uh, I think they're all coming from that same game. Obviously, uh, I have a couple leans in terms of Trey Young rebounds. Uh, he, I, I like the three and a half, but I wish there wasn't any juice. Otherwise, I'd be handing it out for you guys. But uh, I'm sure there, there's there's going to be something popping in the action app for you guys. But I wanted to get this out now. And with that, my three best bets are DeJounte Murray to go over 17 and a half rebounds and assists with a triple-double sprinkle. Uh, Jakob Pertl over 10 and a half rebounds and assists. And the Spurs team total over 110.5. And with that, we're going to have on our guest, Monotone Football. Dino, take him out of here. Book him. All right, everybody. Now we've got our guest. We have Monotone Football on the Twitter machine, same way, but only one L. Uh, Monotone is a great gambling mind. Uh, he writes for Vegas Insider and Odds Checker. You can find his work there. And obviously on Twitter, he's always putting out his plays. He's got his Discord. I'm a contributing member there. Uh, we have a good time. It's always great to talk with him, and it's awesome to have you on the pod. So uh, welcome. Welcome, Dan. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. This is a long time overdue. I mean, I've been, you know, wanting to get on here for a little bit, and I'm sure this won't be the last time too. So I'm excited to chop it up, talk playoffs. You know, it's it's really Christmas morning right now. So, dude, I'm stoked. I'm stoked. So, uh, just so everybody knows, besides basketball, uh, Monotoni does really like literally everything: football, baseball, whatever. So, whatever your so like whatever your favorite sport is, he's probably got a prop for it. So uh, he's a great follow. But uh, yeah, no, it, it's interesting because the NBA refuses to call the play-in tournament the playoffs. It's the postseason, <laughs> which I get a kick out of. But uh, I think one of the things that I, I wanted to pick your brain on, you know, is is being a Wizards fan worse than being a Knicks fan? So <laughs> yeah, no, this is a great question. This is a two-tiered question. Honestly, I'm gonna I'm gonna go two different ways. For gambling purposes, which is kind of what brings us all together, yeah. I'm going to say yes for gambling purposes. <laughs> Specifically, I think you remember this. Guys like Rui Hachimura, Danny Avdia, guys that I've been on all year, they yep. refuse to change those lines because there's absolutely no media attention on these guys whatsoever, meaning it's kind of free almost. While in the with the Knicks, you have that New York media, the whole – if quickly has one good game his line shooting up about 15 <laughs> points before the next game so from a betting perspective i'm going to say yes but from an overall fandom perspective you guys still have much higher highs than we've ever accomplished so. <laughs> you know it's just it's it's the high highs but the majority of it's just suffering so um, you know naturally both of our teams are out of it but uh do you got do you already have any futures bets in for who's winning the nba title or are you looking to open a position like what's your move because i know you're not i, I don't think you're the, like the biggest futures guy but I, I know you play them occasionally yeah that's a good question it's hard for me i really want to bet someone from the east to win and then it opens up a ton of hedge potential right you really don't have any yeah. hedge equity betting the suns at plus 250 right now so I don't have anything yet, but I'd like to have one by the time we finish the show on this. All right. Maybe I can sell you on somebody. So yeah. personally, like I, I just, I'm like a guy that every time I get a free bet, it's going on a futures bet. So I try to like build that portfolio up here. And the biggest positions that I really have are on the, it's primarily on the bucks. And I also have positions on the Warriors, which I'm not thrilled about right now, uh, given the Steph Curry injury. And I have some stuff on the Nuggets, but I really like the Bucks here. And I think the thing that's tough is if you look at the Eastern Conference playoff picture, the the Bucks and the Celtics, in my opinion, are the two best teams in the East. And I like it sucks that they both are playing each other. So I think it's creating a little bit of value. Um, but I also don't really want to bet like we're recording for everybody knows we're recording before the first play in game. So I'm assuming I'm going to I'm going to assume that Brooklyn wins and is the seventh seed and is going to play Boston. I don't really want to bet on Boston if they are going to have to go through Brooklyn, then Milwaukee just to get to the Eastern Conference finals and probably have to play the 76ers. So I don't love that. I don't love that spot. But I think that if Boston can get through, then maybe I'll open a position like come Eastern Conference Finals or something like that. Because I think they're, I think they're dynamite. I think they're awesome. Yeah. No. I, I, yeah. I completely agree with that line of thinking. Right. I want to kind of have a way to get some exposure on this team, but their path is so challenging right now. What do you think about a team like the 76ers, where 
there hasn't been a lot of hype at all. I mean, the no. second half of the season with James Harden has been kind of disappointing. I haven't heard anyone actually talk about a future. In fact, all I'm hearing is the Raptors are the sleeper team. I'm not hearing anything about the favorites in that one. Yeah, dude, I'm actually covering that series for action. And I, one of the things that I definitely like is I bet on it. It's a four and a half to one on MGM. It's the Raptors to lose game one and then win the series. It's not that I necessarily think that the Raptors are going to win the series, but they're definitely going to lose game one. Um, because I think that the Sixers in terms of raw talent are significantly better than the Raptors, but Doc Rivers is not a good coach and we've seen him blow so many leads. And I think that's the thing that's really concerning with the 76ers is like, if they get deeper in the playoffs and they have to go against these teams that can, you know, realistically out coach him, that that's concerning because the problem I think with the Sixers is as good as Joel Embiid is as good as James Harden is, they both have like very distinct flaws, almost like Harden's obviously his defense and he, we've seen him kind of tail off in terms of his scoring, his quickness, whatever. And then Embiid, he's been better at beating double teams, but he still struggles with that. So, you know, and they don't have the same, like the type of tertiary scores, like you really need Maxi and Tobias Harris to then just ball out. But I do think that with the Sixers, their path is fantastic. Like, you're going to get to play the Toronto Raptors who people thought weren't going to make the playoffs. And I think the thing, I think the Raptors, and I'm concerned about this, I think they might be being overvalued because I think that Nick nurse might be like pulling a Tibbs because he's been playing his starters like 40 plus minutes a game. Like how much better can these guys be? Like, is there another level in the playoffs? You know? So that that's my concern, but I think the Sixers path is great. I mean, you're realistically probably playing, you're going to play the Raptors. You're probably going to play Miami who I think is like questionable as a one seed. And then, and then you get to play either realistically like the Nets, the Celtics or the Bucks after they've had to play each other, yep. you know, and beat up on each other. So I, I mean, the path is great for them. And I think that there's honestly, I think there's tremendous value on Philly, uh, even even though I don't love them, you know. Yeah, that's uh, that's. I feel the exact same way. I think, like most people, I kind of feel like almost. I, I'd rather play the Heat than the Raptors right now. I don't know yeah. how crazy that sounds, but I'm absolutely obsessed with defensive versatility. That's really the thing that that jumps off the chart for me for every team. And the Raptors are so long. They're so Dude. versatile, and like you said, they're so well coached. So that would yeah. be a great series, but I can see myself getting to the 76ers overall in terms of a, in terms of, you know, a finals champion. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause I think they're like 13 to one on FanDuel right now to win the, to win the title. And they're six to one to win the East, which puts them, they're actually in fifth. They have the fifth longest odds to win the East, which I think is just surprising considering you know, the way the bracket kind of shaped up. Like, I don't, maybe it'll change a little bit if uh, like, and it's, they're hedging a bit right now, assuming that Brooklyn wins tonight or, you know, or won last night. But I think it's, it's definitely an interesting spot. Like, I mean, you, you have a legitimate MVP candidate in Joel Embiid. Like, I don't think he's not going to win, but um, he's, he's one of the best players in the NBA. So it's just like, can, is that enough? Um, and, and it probably is against a lot of these teams, you know, he's probably gonna be the best player on the court in the majority of series that they play in. Yep. And I mean, the Raptors just can, like you said, kind of struggling with double teams. They can throw so many different looks at him, right? Siaka, Machua, all these guys are so versatile. So that'll, that'll be a series to watch for sure. I'm very, very excited for that series. No, definitely. And then we just got some news today, like just spinning to the Western conference that, you know, Curry Curry's hurt and he might not be back for game one. And then you've got Luka Doncic. They also don't know if he's going to be back. So the West, the West is like really in flux when you look at these, when you look at the way the matchups are going to be, I mean, the, the jazz and the nuggets suddenly at, as five, six seeds, you're like, can they, can they pull off these upsets? So I, I don't know if you, like, I, I have really struggled to bet on the jazz, but I don't know about you, but uh, the nuggets are interesting if they don't have curry i'm not sure if it creates more value on the nuggets or if it creates more value actually on the warriors yeah that's a good question i mean it, it feels wide open and what it really feels like to be quite honest is we're all just kind of like last year i hate to say it we're all laying down for the suns to just run train over everything. i know i know um, 
Yeah, I mean, I did see an interesting stat at what I believe the Mavs are two and seven without Luca against teams that are better than 500 this year. That's a problem. It's <laughs> concerning a lot. The common narrative you hear in the kind of sharp gambling community, I would say, with even people I respect a lot, is that this team actually isn't that bad without Luca, right? Brunson's a great player. He runs the offense a different way. They're less ISO friendly. The advanced stats would tell you that they're almost as good with yeah. Luca off the court as they're on the court. I don't think that translates well to playoff basketball at all, but I'm not taking the jazz and I'm probably not going to be taking the nuggets either. Even with these injury concerns, both of these teams, nuggets injuries, man, it's completely torpedoed their season. No Michael Porter jr. No Jamal Murray. As for the jazz, it seems like there's a lot of turmoil going on with that team. Always. I mean, and the fact that you can get the Mavs right now at plus two thirty five to win that series. That to me is, I, I think that that's mind boggling. I think that that number is insane. Um, just like, and I get it. Like, I, I think Luca is arguably the best playoff basketball player, like that you could really have, like on a team right now, um, just because of everything that he can do. But like, that number seems that number seems nuts to yeah. be that like to be that fat, to be that fat to, for them to win that series I, I don't know that's like that's a little bit of a future i might dabble in though yeah i think the only concern i would have is that as you know vegas tends to know more than we do right the yep. time so that line really could be like hey luca's not going to play at all this series not like yeah. he's going to miss the first game and be questionable to for the second exactly game. yeah or like he's gonna miss like for sure two games then it's like okay well now you're spotting the jazz two games which is just like you you can't do that in the playoffs it's just not gonna you're, you're not gonna win that series um so i guess my question for you looking at the playoffs as a whole um you know we've kind of poked some holes in the mavs and the warriors but is there is there a team that you're like on high upset alert for that? You're just like, this team is, I don't know. Like, I don't trust them to even get out of the first round. I mean, it, it doesn't even sound fair. The heat is the number one on the East side, right? We won't even talk, spend too much time on that just because I think not a lot of people believe in them. I have to say it's going to be the Warriors for me. And if Curry does come back, then maybe I'll switch completely because I do feel like, it's almost like we're undervaluing the Warriors a little bit at this point. I'm just worried Curry didn't have any time to kind of get back in with his team, right? We saw this with the Lakers last year yeah. where they tried to mush everybody together at the last possible minute and it just didn't work. I, I think the Warriors are a great playoff team, tons of experience. The moment is never going to be too big. But if they come into the series disorganized, they come in without Steph Curry for the first couple of games, maybe they try to throw him back in. I think they could get caught off guard in this series. It's not the best matchup in the world. No, no. So I don't know. It's almost weird. I think they're undervalued and overvalued at the same time. It's a tough situation. Yeah. I think like the way that I might want to play that series, the Warriors Nuggets is like, I might want to play the over in terms of the games played in the series. I think it's probably, I think it's at like five and a half or so, or six. Like I I could totally see this game, this series going seven games because Jokic is going to win you minimum two games, like on his own. He just absolutely destroys the warriors, but I also don't trust the nuggets. Like I don't think they have enough right now without Murray coming back without Michael Porter jr. Coming back, even though, which is disappointing because I thought the way the reports were, these guys were coming back. Yeah. And then it's like, now you're like, I'm sitting on a ticket. That's just like, all right, well, you know, there we go. Like, I guess that was part of the, ah, like, you know, that's why the odds were cooked the way they were, but like if Curry doesn't come back and they try to milk it longer, I could totally see this series going like, you know, towards the over. So I think that you could either play it like maybe nuggets plus one and a half games or, you know, or maybe like the over in terms of how many games are in that series. And then obviously the other team in the West that I'm a little concerned about, honestly, is the Memphis Grizzlies. And yeah, this like, is what I'm waiting for. I've, I've been, you've been talking about the Grizzlies for a while, and I think you're one of the only people that's kind of given a contrarian opinion. So I didn't mean to cut you off right there. No, go for I'm it. I'm excited to hear what you have to say right now. I'm sorry. I'm just, <laughs> I want to talk about this. It's what I've been Dude, waiting for. The Grizzlies are awesome. Like they're number three in adjusted offense. They're number five in adjusted net. But my big concern with Memphis is like they don't have the 
they don't really play in half court. They play like they try to play tra- primarily in transition. And my concern with that is like if you really watch the way that they play in terms of their half court offense, they Memphis is literally number 22 in half court offense. They score 93.4 points per points per hundred plays. If you look at their offense they're they score 115.8. Like you can't, you can't just run on all these teams. Like these teams are better. Like you're not playing like crap teams. Like you're going to be playing either the, I, I think it's going to be the Clippers, but even if it's not the Clippers, you're playing the Timberwolves. You're playing two teams that are like well-coached. They're both, you know, they're both fast, fast. They're both physical. They're both long. And the Clippers are interesting because they're really not like a seven seed because they missed Paul George the whole season. Who's was playing at an MVP level before he came back. And then, you know, or before he was hurt rather. And then in terms of the Timberwolves, you're looking at a team that blitzes and is like, is they can, they can switch. They can, they play so fast. Like, I just think that it's going to create tremendous value on whoever they play because they've been such a like betting darling over the course of the season. And like, look, you can get out in transition. Like that's fine. But like, they also like John Morant's not a shooter. Like he, he can get to the hoop, but like, if you, if you're the Grizz, like if you're playing the Grizzlies and you're like, okay, there's like three seconds left. Somebody's got to score. Like, sure, Jock could break somebody down, but he's not like a big dude. They don't have that. Like, Bain isn't a creator in that way. Like, I, they don't have a guy like a Paul George, like, or, you know, and, and there's, not, there's something wrong with that, but they just don't, I don't feel like they have that. Uh, so that's, that's my big concern with Memphis. Like, like they're, they're obviously well coached, but, and, they, and they're super talented and they're very athletic, but I just have concerns about them, you know? Yeah, no, let's stop sugarcoating. Let's commit right now. We're betting the Clippers to beat the Grizzlies in round one. That's I, I mean, the Clippers I'm, are going to beat the Timberwolves a hundred percent. Yep. Lock it in already. And then they're, I, I think I'll bet them outright in this series. Oh, I'm getting so excited. Just listening to you talk right there. I heard a lot of sugarcoating. What you were really kind of saying is John Morant, he's he's made amazing strides this year. There's a 100%. lot of John Morant fans out there. Don't get me wrong, but he's going to get Jimmy Butler. This team That's what I'm concerned Miami. about. Yeah. And like, if we look at this, even like if we dive into it a little bit more, this is something, there's even a greater disparity since the start of March. So like they're scoring more on offense since the beginning of March, they're scoring 121 points per 100 possessions. But in the half court, there this drops all the way down to 97 so points per plays, and they go they only play they play less than 75 percent of their plays in the half court. So that's if they can do that, if they can dictate the pace, they're gonna win because yeah. that's what they do. But the problem is, it's like it's really hard to get out in transition against these teams, especially when, you know, the teams that you're playing are the Clippers, who are the number seven team since the start of March in transition defense. And then, you know, the Timberwolves are also like one of the better teams in terms of defense, like in defending that because they're so fast. They're 12th. So you're playing teams that are going to be able to keep up with you in transition. And if you can't create easy buckets like that, like I, I just think that there's going to be a ton of value. Like I don't think that they can do it the same way because there's such a drop off in terms of like what their half court offense actually is. Um, yeah. So that's my big concern with them. And like, if we're going to get like two to one, I, like at least yeah. on whoever it is. So you're looking at two to one and probably even like, you might even get plus money on the plus one and a half. Mm-hmm. So like, I think it's a must bet. Like, to, like, I hate to say it, they've been exciting, but you, I think you got to fade them. Yeah. And I mean, if it's the Timberwolves, I'm going to be a little bit more gun shy, to be honest, because I think the Timberwolves, what they're yeah. going to do is they're going to try to run with them for the first two games. They're going to lose them. They're going to make an adjustment. It'll be too little too late at that point. Yeah. We're not going to outcoach Ty Lue. We, we've talked about the coaching, all that nope. with Memphis. <laughs> Ty Lue is still without a doubt the better coach in this game. If, oh, yeah. if I'm John Rand, he's probably the one coach I don't want to play against because it's going to be beat me any other way besides in the paint. They're going to slow the game down exactly like you said. How many tri- – like 
three seconds on the shot clock. Dylan Brooks mid-range step back. So we're going to get in this series, man. This guy already thinks he's Kobe Bryant with John Morant being extremely pressured. I don't know. I really do think the Clippers are going to, if they, if that series does end up happening, I think they could beat them outright. I mean, talk, like I said, earlier, defensive versatility, who's John Morant going to be able to switch off of, right? You're switching off of Paul George to, to who you want Norman Powell. You want Robert Covington. You want Terrence Mann, Batum. Who do you want? These guys are exactly ready for that matchup. They're one of the best teams at defending points in the paint when they're healthy. This is going to put a lot of pressure on guys like Desmond Bain, on guys like Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson Jr. It reminds me a lot of the Heat um, when they kind of teams would just build the wall against them essentially, yeah, and make them outside shoot. And we know the Grizzlies, you know, aren't quite the best at that. So no, and I think the thing that's interesting, and it kind of can create, uh, it could create even more futures value is. Look, the Wolves and the Clippers, I don't trust – I don't think the Wolves get, like, super far in the playoffs. Um, I do think that they will be at least the eight seed. Um, and then, obviously, like, then you'd have to play the Phoenix Suns, so that's problematic. But if the Clippers slot into the seven seed and their odds don't move, right now they're, they're about, like, 19-1, to 20-1 to 1 to win the West, I think that that's crazy because – think about it. Their path is going to be – the Grizzlies and then the Warriors probably, which is like, you don't want to play the Warriors, but if there's, if there's any team that's really capable of beating them besides the Suns, obviously the Clippers have a million wings and they don't really play a center and neither do the Warriors. So like, you're kind of playing like two strengths to each other. And then it's like, we've seen Curry get like bothered by, you know, wings that are bigger than him like if they can body him and like bully him so obviously Curry's incredible but if he's not 100 percent or whatever the circumstance is like that's not a matchup that i want to deal with so and then if the nuggets somehow beat them you're looking at a, a matchup where the nuggets are like playing kind of like above their head honestly because they just have no defense on the perimeter. So like, that's not a matchup you want to have if you're Denver playing a team that like literally the entire team can shoot threes. So I like, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of value on the Clippers. I, I have like a 40 to one ticket and a hundred to one ticket on them. Uh, so like, I I'm pretty high on them just because of the fact that Paul George came back. And honestly, they're so cagey with their report. Who knows? Like, does Kawhi come back? Like, that's Exactly. If there's a 1% chance, that's what I've been saying these last couple of weeks. If there's a 1% chance that he comes back, I'll put the ticket in right now. But honestly, <laughs> after kind of talking this through with you, I think I'm ready to put the ticket in. We yeah. could look really dumb if the Timberwolves win, <laughs> and I'm just completely wrong. But I feel very, very strongly, despite the weird line movement, everything that's going on with that, that the Clippers are the better team. So... I think what we've learned so far, at least, just a midway update. I think I'm going 76ers and Clippers as my two future. What does I don't even know? I want to. I kind of want to know what the odds are on that fucking parlay. Let's see. Let's see what we can do here. Let's see if Fanduel will let me do it. Um, it's the odds are 139 to one. So ten dollars wins 1390. <laughs> if, if anybody wants much, to be a total freak <laughs> yeah i think there's a lot worse bets you can make than that honestly 100 yeah. percent. so you know besides besides these futures plays i know like you are a huge huge prop better and one of the things i know that happens in the playoffs is some, a lot of times pace slows down but you see the starters play like a lot more minutes so I, I, I don't really like I, I've, I've talked through props with you before, but I, I don't do you have any like tips for everybody like in terms of like maybe what your you know what your process is like is there anything that you really look at that you like that you're like, oh, like this is how I like to do this or this is how I like to you know view this or something. Yeah, it's a lot. I have to say it's a lot easier during the regular season because adjustments happen a lot slower. Um, and lines are going to be sharp for the playoffs, but I, I would just say a lot of it has to do. I really don't look at the biggest thing I can say for playoff betting is I do not look at regular season stats at all. It's good to have to back up your arguments, all that stuff, but so much context is different. Everything is so, so different come postseason. So when I look at the playoffs, it's really looking at who do I think best matches up against the opposing players, right? Who has that matchup that they can exploit? And after we have kind of one game of film, down for all of these series on what these teams want to do. 
that's when you really go to work, right? You really yeah. see, oh, okay, they're going to blitz Trey Young every single time on the pick and roll. He's going to pass that right out to Kevin Herter, right out to Gallinari, Bogdanovich, 40% th- free throw shooters or three-point point. shooters. Yeah, yeah. Three point. if it was free throws. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're going with the assist all the way. If they're dropping in the pick and roll, they're giving him some space. You do not want to do that against Trey Young. He's going to score five points every single game. So it's yeah. kind of seeing how these defenses want to attack these opposing star players, and also what role player that we might not have expected to be getting 25 minutes of run is now suddenly getting 25 minutes of run. I think a good example, Bruce Brown right now. Yeah. The guy that's trending upwards, coming out of nowhere, probably, I would say, going to be playing 35, 38 minutes in some of these games. It seems, yeah. Yep. I don't think the books are ready for something like that. So it's really about kind of finding those hidden gems and realizing what teams want to do. I want to be on the side of the coach. I want to yeah. do what the coach wants to do. Yeah. And I think it's the playoffs are actually one of those interesting times where I don't like, I don't normally like to bet on superstars either, but I think that actually in the playoffs is one of the few times that you kind of can, because like they're going to play, especially in this, in the play in like, or in like a game seven, like they're not going to sit on like, unless, unless it's a blowout where you're just like, all right, like it is what it is. Like we give up, but like, they're just not going to sit. Like you're going to see guys like playing in situations that they normally wouldn't have. You're going to see them break rotation. And like, that's, I think going to be really, really interesting to see because like the team that does this actually the most is Milwaukee, Milwaukee, like really rest their guys. So like Giannis goes from playing maybe like 32 minutes a game to like 40. That's a lot. That's a lot of minutes. That's a huge, huge difference uh, for a guy that was already averaging like 30 points and 12 rebounds a game. So there's going to be some, there's some options like that. But then if you look on the flip side, like, like I mentioned before with Toronto, those guys already play so much. Like there's not a lot. If you see their lines go up, this might be a time to bet unders, which is like contrarian to your traditional thought process. But like how many more, they can't, be they can't play more there's just no way to play more so um you know those are some of the things i think to look at and obviously it helps to watch the games but um it's you know i know i get that it's hard you can't watch every game um no 100 and i mean i think interesting enough i think the more and more you kind of compare the raptors and the knicks i'm wondering I'm wondering, it's almost making me feel better about that 76 or yeah. I'm about to place because I was in on the Knicks. I even have a YouTube video. I've only uploaded like 10 ever, so you can find it real quick. <laughs> where I mean, I got I got the Suns against Lakers, which I got a bunch of comments, you know. But anyway, I also had the Knicks against Hawks, and I just felt like that game, the defense, the slow down pace, everything that they do so well would translate well to the playoffs. And it did, yeah, heard. same. Yeah, but what we really found out was that the lack of the star player was the biggest, you know, nail in their coffin, right? And I don't want to have any disrespect towards Pascal Siakam or a guy like Fred Van Fleet, but I think it's a little bit comparable to almost the Julius Randle yeah. situation is. If you're going to put the world on this guy's shoulders, how how is it going to turn out? So Yeah, I, I 100% agree because like Siakam, like when I think of him, I think of more like, like like a tier two guy like exactly like a randall or like a guy that's like is this really his team so like they have a lot of ways to attack you and they're a great team but i'm like when's the last time we saw like a great team win the nba title Mm. like not not super often you know like what was it like the pistons you know like where you didn't have like a guy that was like a top tier nba talent on the team so like i i really struggle with them, I think that they're going to push the Sixers a lot, and I think it might make them tired for whoever they play in the next round. But I think ultimately the Raptors get out of that series. Um, so, you know, I, I know this is another thing I wanted to ask you about. And now, like, we're seeing it on these books. It's not just in the same game parlay at DraftKings. This is your your first quarter angle trademarked the monotone special. Like, what's good with the first quarter lines? Like, why do you like them so much? Yeah, it's interesting because there's obviously positives and negatives, right? Some people would point out the volatility, right? Anything could happen. And the other day, the Discord was on Scotty Barnes first quarter at zero <laughs> points, and then he had seven in the first minute of the second quarter. Yeah, Stuff like that can happen. But what we really want to attack in these situations are lines that the sports books just don't know what to do with, right? The way they generate these first quarter lines is 
most simply put, they take the full game line yep. and they divide it by four, which doesn't always work, right? Basketball is a game of runs. Some guys, some starters are playing seven-minute rotations while some starters are playing 12-minute rotations. Yeah. So there's a lot of like kind of gray area in those kind of bets and the sports books are just super slow to adjust. So obviously we're seeing them do a little bit better come playoff time as expected, but I do think that's kind of one of those stat categories that since not a lot of people are thinking about it, the books aren't taking a lot of action on it, which means their lines aren't as sharp because there hasn't been anyone to kind of straighten out those lines for them. No, I, I think it's a really awesome like way to look at it too, because you're hundred percent right. Like We've seen this. They, we see this even with spreads. Like certain teams are just dynamite in the first quarter, and then they're all like they're not good in the second quarter because their bench unit's not very good. So it's like if you can, and then the books like don't know what to do with the lines because, like you said, they're just like, well, it's a pick 'em. Like how can we make this team minus four in the first quarter, you know, or something like that? Like it's just you can't do it. So I think that that's really interesting, and I guess like what. One of the, I guess, really the best way. What what way do you use to like kind of look at the minutes for like where these guys are playing? You know, like, do you, are you just using like NBA? Are you using like like what what kind of tools are you using to figure out like what their minutes are in the first quarter and stuff? Yes, yeah, Stat Muse is definitely the way to go right there. It's, I mean, you know it, I know it. It's one yeah. But if you're not aware of Stat Muse, what it does is actually incredible. Like even like with first quarter lines, you can search first quarter lines for players against a team. You can search for it against a team or a specific player. You can search for it against a specific player in the playoffs. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was shocking me. I kept thinking, oh, they're not going to have this. And, you know, they kept having it. So, yeah, yeah, minutes is one of the biggest things. And especially come playoff time, you're going to see a lot of guys go from seven minutes to 12 minutes, right? They're playing the yep. whole first quarter or at least 11 minutes getting subbed out right before. So if you notice something like that where a player's first quarter lines, maybe they're averaging three first quarter points, but they're playing seven minutes a quarter. If you see that line at only four points, right, that's going to be something to very heavily consider. Is this guy going to play the full quarter? He likely gets a shot off, maybe two more shots, maybe a three-point attempt. Yeah. Of opportunity to kind of catch these books by surprise. Yeah, no, I love it. I think it gives you, and like, you can kind of use the variance to your advantage because you're getting the minutes, you're getting like the time there, the opportunity is there. So I, I think it's a great angle. And I, I think that it's something that we can really try to experiment with and work with, you know, during this postseason. So, uh, you know, th we're obviously, we recorded, we're recording before the games on Tuesday night, but there are a couple games on Wednesday. I don't know. Did you monotone? Did you put any, did you, do you have any prop bets in for tomorrow yet or, or for today's games yet? Cause like, I know one of the games, like, you know, our boy DeJounte is going to ball out. So I don't know if you're looking at him, but I know I am. Yeah. I don't have any props in that game yet, but I do think that game is just very interesting. I almost feel like both teams are underrated here. It, yeah. Like the Popovich factor does matter to me. This They're a young team. They don't have a star player. They really have a lot of red flags going for him. <laughs> but the Pelicans, man, nobody seems to really be talking about them that no. much. And they what they did is really impressive, right? If you look at their defensive numbers in the second half of the year when they switched to the two-center rotation with Jackson Hayes getting in the starting lineup, adding C.J. McCollum, this team – looked really really good so i kind of want to pick the upset with the spurs because i do believe in kind of what they're building down there they feel like the scrappy team that could really catch you off guard but if that becomes kind of a popular pick that's the trend the way the trend is going i'm gonna maybe have to switch over to the pelicans because really what they've done is extremely impressive and a guy like cj mccullum bringing some playoff experience you know will be invaluable it affects that team yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm definitely conflicted on the side in the game. I do think that like getting two to one on the Spurs is kind of nice. Yeah. But, you know, I, I agree. Like, I think the best I think at the end of the day, though, like the best player is going to be DeJounte and he's on the Spurs. So I, I think you can debate it maybe with like Ingram and CJ. But like, I think that DeJounte is the best player amongst these teams. Uh, but the margins thin. Like, it's not like he's an overwhelmingly better player than like CJ or Ingram or, or anybody really, you know? So I, I think this is a really tough game, but I do think it's going to be fast. You know, I, like I can see both these teams like wanting to get out and run. Like I, I just, I, I I'm struggling with it, but I do think that like, 
I like the lines for DeJounte. Like they got his rebounds and assists at 17 and a half. And, yeah. you know, his points and assists, like, I don't know how he doesn't play 40 minutes in this game. Like yeah. it's a, it's a winner. It's a winner go home game. Uh, no, he's, he's playing 40 minutes for sure. hundred <laughs> percent. I think, um, I think rebounds and assists is going to be the most popular play of the day tomorrow, which is understandable. A lot Fair. of made yeah. a lot of money because of how great he's been in the regular season about being the best player in the game. I think that, that, you know, it could go both ways, but I do think he's going to have kind of almost the John Morant symptom kind of what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Where it's like, Hey, Beat us from outside. Take those jump shots. Take those three-pointers because we know he thrives in, with points in the paint, just like John Moran. Yeah. And with a two-center rotation, right, where you're letting a guy like Hayes take risks, you're letting him blitz a little bit more and get while you still have a guy like Jonas, Val, Jonas Valanciunas as your defensive set anchor. I don't know. I think that, that'll be an interesting one. I think I think the Spurs cover the Pelicans win. I think it could be – I think Spurs are going to fight with anybody. I think you put anyone against the Spurs in this game, and they're going to give you a fight. But I do think the Pelicans are probably going to take the win in this one. Yeah, I think my one concern – it's like you said. Like, the Spurs – I think the, the Spurs were in this game last year. So, like, they do have, like, a little bit of, like – experience i guess whereas like you said like you know it's like you're looking at the pelicans majority of them have never played a playoff game uh, at all so i i'm a little curious to see like how this kind of shakes out um but i but i you know i agree with you i think that this is going to be i think it's gonna be a close game i think it's gonna be a good game i do think that whoever wins is probably going to lose to the realistically the timberwolves um but but i but i think that this game is a little bit like both these teams have more potential or so to speak i think than uh, you know, maybe in the Eastern Conference, like what we're looking at, because I don't, I, I don't buy the Hornets really like at all. So I don't know if you've looked at that game or not, but uh, or if you've got something that you're looking for in terms of a prop there. Yeah, I mean, I was a little disappointed. I guess I thought I was going to be able to be a little sneakier with a guy like Trey Young, but Damn. the lines are there, right? Thirty-one points, it's crazy. Yeah, eleven point five assists, and it's not even plus money, right? You're paying minus one twenty five for him to get twelve assists, (laughs) which is insane. So, you know, I think the Hawks win this one. The only thing I'm starting to get worried with a little bit now is that nobody is giving the Hornets really any respect. No, thing I'm seeing too that I'm a little worried about is maybe the gambling community is trying to be a little bit too sneaky with Mason Plumley. Yeah. I'm, I, I was looking at his props too. I'm they're a little steep. They're getting steep to like six and a half, five and a half. Yeah, like I I people have the very easy to think thought process of we need a big man to match a big man. Yeah. But you know, Mason Plumley is not gonna be able to maneuver the pick and roll very well at all. And that's really like Trey Young is such a good playoff player. Like Trey Young. So good. I mean, he's such a good player. He might be one of the most, if not the most underrated players in basketball right now. I know his defense is obviously the red flag that everyone will bring up, but the the way he can operate the pick and roll, he can do so many different things. And they surrounded him with shooters. I was really high on the Hawks. I believe one of my only like long shot um, futures actually was for, it was uh, finals with them and the Suns, I believe. I, that's okay. what I, I picked. And the Hawks really, they haven't impressed me at all this year. No, so, but what no. I was getting at initially with the Plumlee thing is I think we might see a lot of PJ Washington, not only yeah. has he developed on the offensive side of this year, he's really playing good defense. He can give them those stretch five minutes. He obviously starts at the four. I think we could see a lot of PJ Washington and very, very little of Mason Plumlee tonight. Or- I like that. Cause like his props, like, you know, his points prop is set at like 10 and a half rebounds are at five and a half and assists are at two and a half. Like, I think that that might be an angle, um, you know, that we can kind of capitalize on. Cause I agree. Like, I think that the rotations might help him, you know, I can also see this being like another, like ultra fast paced game where it's not like, there's only so much you can do defensively to stop both of these teams on offense. So like, if your downgrade isn't like that significant, but you feel like you're getting a better on court like presence from a different rotation and besides that like do something different like it's a it's one game like if you can catch team off guard 
you're going to, you're going to be in great shape. So I could see that, like, you know, they've been playing a lot of Plumlee, but if you get PJ Washington in there, like when he's played 25 minutes, uh, he's, you know, his, his numbers spike, he's averaging then over the course of the season, like, uh, you know, when he's averaging 13.1 points, then 6.7 rebounds and about 2.7 assists when he plays 25 minutes. So it's not the most often, but we've seen it against Chicago, Orlando, Miami, Philly to kind of like round out the season. He's playing 25 plus. So if you see his number, like he might be a sneaky play and like a pivot off of the Plumlee facts. Yeah, I think I could see myself writing my three-point article on him tomorrow, too, as kind of a guy that I, I want to see climb the ladder a little bit, right? And hey, yeah. If Because if, if, if going down this line of thinking, right, if they are going to play him as the small ball five, we know for a fact Clint Capella isn't going to be out there on the perimeter defending him, which is going to generate no way. corner threes that he likes to take. So yeah, I think that could be a spot that I'm talking myself into a little bit more. No, I like that spot because like I'm just I'm like fiddling with I'm fiddling with the props.cash tool right now. And like his if we're looking at his three pointers, you know, he's at over one and a half at plus one twelve. Over his over this season, when he's played 25 minutes, he's hit that in 57% of games. And if you bump that to 30, let's bump it to 30. In 30 minutes, He's done this. He's only played 30 minutes. He hasn't played 30 minutes that often. He's played. Well, all right. I got stuck at 29. Um, he's actually, he's actually, it's odd. It like it drops. <laughs> he only hit in 43%, but he's hit his points prop then just overall uh, at 61% when he's played 30 minutes. So that's a 10 and a half. So like, there's definitely an angle here. And I mean, those, those two, those things are like pretty correlated between the points and the threes. So maybe there's a way to, maybe there's a way to, you know, bring down the points with, with the single three, even um, I, I like it, you know, Atlanta gives up a lot of threes. They, they give up a great percentage shooting threes. It's definitely, it's definitely an angle, especially if, you know, if Collins doesn't play, Collins might not play. So it's just one less guy they can kind of throw at, you know, they can throw at the Hornets. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good point. I, I was kind of in my head assuming Collins would be out, but if he does play, that would be interesting. I yeah. Know. I think, I think that he's likely to be out. I, I think the note was that he's not expected to play. So, I mean, you never know with these guys in the NBA, but um, and these injury reports, <laughs> but uh, I don't, I don't think that he's going to be playing. That's, that's not my understanding. So, but uh, no, but Stu, I, I we'll, we'll cut that, but, <laughs> um, but, uh, but monotone, I don't know uh, if you got any other plays. I hope that I convince you on some futures here. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the Sixers and the Clippers, right? I was already high on the Clippers to win this play in game anyway. So I think I'm just going to kind of follow it up because if they do, win the playing game, then the, I bet the price is going to shrink, right? We're kind of right now we're playing it with the chance that they could play the Suns. And obviously yeah. nobody wants to play the Suns right now. So no. Yeah. Um, I think Sixers and Clippers is what I'm going to go with right now. And we'll have something good to sweat out. All right. I like it. So uh, monotone, it was great to have you on. Um, I hope you guys can hit him up on Twitter. It's like at monotone football one L uh, check out his plays on, uh, on odds checker and Vegas insider. And, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. So we're going to try to cash some of these picks and uh, it was a pleasure having you on dude. Yeah. Thank you. I'll be back soon. All right. Love it. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks, Monotone. It was awesome to have you on. Uh, hit him up on Twitter. Give him a follow. Uh, check out his articles. He's one of the best betting minds in the industry. And uh, look, now it's it's time for it's time for pods and recs. And the thing that I'm going to recommend today is I'm going to recommend cut off sweatshirts, like cut off hoodies. Um, I just got one. Uh, my girlfriend bought it for me, and it it's fantastic. Like it was actually designed this way. So like, it's not going to, the seams aren't going to get all funky. This is a prime time weather for this. Like it's like seven, it's like in the sixties right now, you're, you're not sure if you want to wear a t-shirt. You're not sure if you want a long sleeve. You're not sure if you want a hoodie, but instead you get this like combination of both. It's a perfect harmony. It's a parlay of sweatshirts and tanks. And if you know anything about me, I love this. 
So get yourself one of these sleeveless hoodies. They're awesome. Maybe we should put a cash that logo on one. Honestly, I think it would be absolutely fire. So with that, hit up those picks, enjoy the NBA playoffs, and let's cash that. Mm-hmm.